Good evening, Canes fans. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Rod the Podcast, and tonight we're cracking a cold one. I'm your host, Jordan Betts, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Michael David May. Mike, how was your July 4th? Yeah, that's right. David's my middle name. Big facts. <laughs> Let the world know. Let the world know. Yeah, I had a fine fourth. I did nothing, and I think that's exactly Sometimes what that's you a vibe, be. man. Oh, man. I'm at that age right now. I think it's, is it John Mulaney that has this skit where he's talking about when you're older and, like, people ask you what you did over the weekend and you're just like, I did nothing. I did, I did nothing. And then you smile when you say that (laughs) I'm at that age now. I feel that. I guess I had a little bit more going on. I, I, one of my best friends from college was in town on Friday. Um, and then Saturday morning we went down to, uh, Wilmington to visit my parents, uh, on the beach and, didn't go to beach because having grown up in Wilmington, you know not to do that on July 4th because it's just not worth the hassle. Uh, unfortunately, Sunday, I spent it writing 20 pages for my doctorate program, so that was pretty miserable. Uh, but Monday, it was a you know normal, nice, relaxing day. Drove back, got prepared for the week. In other words, I'm, I'm getting old, and uh, that's yeah. just the facts. So Yeah, we're living proof. We're living we'll, we'll proof that, we're you, that, that people age. But for, for those of you joining us again here tonight, um, if you didn't get the joke, we're cracking a cold one, meaning we're, we're talking about the expansion draft pretty extensively with the Seattle Kraken becoming the NHL's 32nd team, and they will be selecting a player from every NHL franchise. But before we get into that, um, Tom Dundon purchased or finished purchasing a, his 100% stake in the team from Peter Carmanos. Big news, Mike. What do you think? I think it's good. Um He's definitely seems to be committed in the franchise and the franchise in Carolina. Um, I don't think anything changes outside of the hundred percent. He's been the primary decision maker and majority stakeholder. So I don't, I don't think it's going to change anything in our books. We're happy to see he's committed to the franchise in that fashion, but I think, I think he has been for some time now. Yeah. It just kind of seems status quo. I know when the news broke, um, it's definitely a a net positive without question what Tom Dundon's here. Even if we, you know, want to critique him, uh, for how he handles contracts at times the the guys brought a winner here to Raleigh and, uh, we can ask nothing more than that. My concern was, Hey, the agreement with the Centennial Authority at PNC Arena, they're not committed that long. Well, you know what? Lo and behold, a few days later, uh, the Hurricanes announced a five-year extension through the 2029 season to stay at PNC Arena. I think this is great news. The last thing you want with Dundon taking full control of the team is threats to build a new arena, taxpayer money, which can oftentimes lead to moving the team. I don't think we're anywhere near that. We've at least pushed it down the road, uh, you know, a little under a decade. If he wants a downtown arena, I think that's a discussion they can have. I think it helps if the team continues to, you know, build upon this current trajectory and ends up winning a cup or two. Uh, but all, all in all, I'm pretty pumped about it. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely pumped about it as well. Like you mentioned about the arena, it's it's definitely given the team more time. I should say the franchise more time to establish themselves. If a downtown arena even becomes necessary in Tom Dundon's mind, we'll just have to see how the area grows in the next eight or nine years and see what we really need. We may not need the downtown arena. Downtown may have expanded all the way out 
towards PNC. So we'll see. I think most Canes fans, you and I included, would would love for there to be a little bit more around the arena um, just to make it kind of a an event center in a way. Curious if, if there's, and I, I haven't seen it, maybe it was just bad research on my part, if there's any details uh, regarding uh, renovations to PNC in this time period. Um, I know you mentioned there is a commitment to uh, $1 million annually to the Hurricanes Foundation to keep hockey in the Triangle area, which I think is you know awesome, great for the kids, great for the community. Um, but unless I'm wrong, I don't think we've seen any explicit language in, that says renovations are coming. I haven't seen anything that's been publicly stated about renovations. I know that was big on Dundon's wish list. I don't know how COVID has impacted that discussion. I haven't heard anything about it, haven't seen anything about it. We'll have to see. I think that the Kraken are coming into the league at a good time. Uh, it's upwards of $20 million per team. New TV deal, American yep. TV deal at least. Yep. So we'll see what that money does, how that helps the negative year and change of COVID, um, where that puts a team like the Hurricanes financially and where that puts the league financially. Right, because it is still a ticket-driven league, which is different from the other major sports leagues in the United States. You mentioned, whether you meant to or not, Tom Dundon's wish list. Um, he, he made a comment uh, off cuff a little bit regarding he wouldn't care if the sweaters looked like NASCAR jerseys. Please yeah. give me your your honest <laughs> assessment of that oh comment. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, I have no desire to see NASCAR-esque jerseys in the NHL. I think if you look at like leagues in Europe, like the SHL and Liga and all those kind of leagues, you look at their jerseys and it's just, it's tough to look well, at. It's hard to take it seriously and it's just so busy. Also, if, so you're, busy. if you're a company investing, you know, in the sponsorship of the jersey, you're not really getting bang for your buck because you can't detail in on anything, in my opinion. Yeah. At least in like... European soccer, it's typically one logo right on the front. I don't like it, but I, I think how they handled it this year, subtly putting on the helmets, or I know the NBA has done like little patches up in the corner of the jersey. I'm okay with that. Uh, I don't love it. I am a purist, but I'm glad we both agree that the, the NASCAR thing is just a yeah. no-go. <laughs> it's not aesthetically pleasing to say the least. And like you said, I'm all right with, I think, long-term having something on the helmet, something small on the helmet. I would be okay with having maybe one thing on a pant leg or something like that, something small and like logo size, like similar size, like the little Canes logo on the pant leg. I'd be fine with like that. I don't think they need to start touching jerseys or anything like that. Yeah, you and I are sweater guys. I know we have multiple Cane sweaters and I don't know. I, I just couldn't imagine walking around looking like a billboard. People are going to buy those. Yeah. I, I think it may actually affect revenues in a different way, you know, and I, I guess yeah. the sponsorships are at least cash in hand for the team, yeah. but you know, are, are people going to buy NASCAR sweaters? I, I don't, I don't think so. That's just my opinion. Um, not as yeah. many people I wouldn't think. So but, yeah. that's <laughs> now, you know how we feel on that. Yeah. I, I assume most of you probably, uh, are going to side with us, but outside of the Tom Dundon news, uh, we did have a, a recent signing. You want to yeah. tell us about that, Mike? Yeah, so the Canes signed Jack Jury. Um, the guy is a good hockey player. Obviously, not all of us will know this, but some of us know this. His uncle, Chris Jury, former NHLer, 
star player, uh, current Rangers president and GM. DM, yeah. So, you know, I hate this narrative and I almost don't want to bring it up. But I'm going to bring it up. You lose Adam Fox to the Rangers. You have another guy who was a college guy who went SHL and Jack Drury, who has a connection with the Rangers, obviously, and his uncle was is from New York, has a New York background. You just part of you was just like, I really hope this doesn't become a trend. Yeah, I'm glad they just dispelled that notion, got the signing done. Jack Drury definitely yeah. worthy of, you know, signing his entry level deal. And I'm glad he's gonna, you know, do it here for the Canes. Um good prospect. You yeah. probably have a better idea than I do. I'm not as yeah. entrenched in the prospect data. Um but yeah. I having played, you know, professional baseball you see a lot of pedigree, you know, teams oh, yeah. drafting, you know, Vlad Jr. is the big one right now. And his teammate, Bo Bichette, like pedigree, although you don't want to, it matters that those kids grow up with it. They understand what it's like to be around pro sports, how to carry themselves. Yeah. And generally there is some talent that, par- you know, carries down the line a little bit. Um, so all in all, yeah, huge net positive. Mm-hmm. I know, no, he, I know he's been a big uh, fan favorite for those that follow Kane's prospects. And uh, looking forward to hopefully seeing him in Raleigh the next year or two. Yeah, I think I think he likely starts the season in Chicago next year. I mean, what you get in him, he's a high Q center. He's a two-way guy. He has offensive upside, but his skill is probably further on the defensive end. Um, long-term project, projection, you probably see him as like a middle six guy, mm-hmm. which is exactly what this team needs when you have a guy like Sebastian Ajo who is hopefully your long-term number one center like that's a that's a piece that can help you in the long run he had a really strong season in the SHL he was up for rookie of the year he led his team to he was one of the best players on his team I won't say he led his team necessarily but they won the championship and you know he doesn't have the shot that just beats you but he seems to find himself in good scoring positions and that's just what you want to see he's an ultra competitive guy he fits the rod brendan Moore philosophy the hurricanes philosophy of what they're trying to build so it's a guy you're definitely happy to have on board sure and correct me if i'm wrong maybe a bit of a, a jack of all trades master of none doesn't have the upside of a suzuki or a jarvis the other you know forward prospects but a guy that, you know, you think could potentially get in this system down the road, as you alluded to, Rod's system, and really find a role. We've seen this type of player do really well in Raleigh uh, yeah. in a middle six, you know, having middle six opportunities because you can think the game, he can play it fast enough, and he's responsible at both ends of the ice, which is always a point of emphasis for this team. Yeah, he's a guy that absolutely will be in the NHL. There's no doubt about it. Um, you look at some guys, and they may have really high – ceilings but there's no guarantee they're going to make the nhl and you like having those guys in your prospect pool because they're high risk high reward this guy is more of a guaranteed nhl roster guy that's going to contribute to your nhl franchise you know not to make it a baseball podcast but there's nothing wrong with hitting a double and this guy kid might not be a home run but you gotta have guys that you know just fill up the stat sheet can fill out roles and just kind of push the ball forward and build the depth of your team and make it strong from top to bottom, especially as we get into being in, as we've talked about throughout this offseason. I know we're on our third offseason uh, pod. You know, 
the price of winning is starting to come back to this team. Guys are becoming more expensive. You're going to need guys to come in on entry-level deals and contribute. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to need depth um, in terms of young skill on, like you said, entry-level contracts or bargain contracts, guys that want to come in and win and guys that want to be there that fit the culture. So I think the Canes have done a really good job in recent years drafting. I even think we did a good job drafting when we had Francis. So I think we're in a good position. Our prospect pool shows that our play on the ice shows that. So speaking of Ron Francis, we're, we're about to jump into the Kraken segment of this, but right before we do that, I do want to make one note, uh, just going back to something we touched on Mike, a, a few episodes ago, you talked about Vladimir Tarasenko and, um, him potentially being available. Well, according to multiple sources at the athletic and now being reported by Elliot Friedman and other throughout um, hockey media. He has formally requested a trade. Looks like there's mutual interest on St. Louis's side to make that happen. There's no rumor about him coming to Raleigh, but I, I think it's something for us to monitor. And I think that's something you guys need to know if you hadn't heard already. Yeah, he's definitely someone that I think the Canes will inquire on. And I don't think that means there's a strong likelihood that anything will happen, but they will certainly inquire on him and see what the price is. I think his price has been driven down significantly because he's on his third shoulder surgery now. And I think a big part of the falling out based on what I've read is that he did not like the way the blues handled the first two surgeries and essentially upon the third surgery felt like it finally got repaired when they when he was able to go outside of the organization he had his first two surgeries inside the organization and now feels like it's been repaired there's no guarantee that he'll return to his previous form um so i don't think st louis is going to get what they want for him knowing a guy like waddell if we are in on him it's going to be later on in the process because they're certainly not going to buy high on yeah him. they don't buy high but I think you're absolutely right. If they can, you know, wait it out a little bit, let the market kind of flush itself out and then kind of swoop in. Carolina is kind of known as that team that is excellent at buying low and getting value. And, and he's the kind of guy that you want to take an upside swing on because even if he doesn't return to form, he's kind of exactly what this team needs a, a true, you know, finisher. And they, if they can add that guy to your top six, it's uh, it can get a little scary up there with uh, how dynamic this forward group can be. Okay, perfect. I, I just felt we had to touch on that because you had brought it up as a you know what's becoming a really great point a few episodes ago. But I think now we're finally ready to start talking expansion draft. Uh, as many of you know, the Seattle Kraken will be entering the league as its 32nd franchise, uh, and Mike is going to read off a couple dates and and points of emphasis. Um, for how the expansion draft will operate. Uh, if you're comfortable with those dates and how the draft rules are coordinated by the league, you can probably skip ahead about a minute because he's just going to read them bullet point by bullet point. But here's Mike with those rules. All right, so really quick, expansion draft is July 21st. It'll be on ESPN2 at 8 p.m. Um, you have to submit your expansion protected list by July 17th. Uh, ultimately, the Kraken have to select 14 forwards, nine defensemen, and three goalies. All right. So that gives us to the, to what is it, 23, 26 total players out of that that they have to select. They'll ultimately select 30. 
because um, Vegas is exempt. 20 players selected must be under contract for the 2021-22 season already. Once they've selected their whole roster, they need to be within 60 to 100% of last year's salary cap. If the Kraken elect to negotiate with a team's UFA that has been left unprotected, that being an unrestricted free agent, they can negotiate between the 18th, the day after the list is submitted, all the way up until the day of the expansion draft. If they ultimately come to terms with that player, that will be the selection from that franchise. There are two methods for protecting players. You can protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie, or you can protect eight skaters and one goalie. If a player has a no-movement clause, they have to be protected unless the player waives their no-movement clause. Any first and second year professionals are exempt. And then in terms of who you're able to expose or what you're required to expose, Every franchise has to expose one defenseman that is under contract next season that has played at least 40 games this year or 70 in the last two years. They have to expose two forwards in the same scenario under contract next year with 40 games played this year or 70 between the last two. And then one goalie has to be exposed. The goalie needs to be either under contract for next year or a restricted free agent. If they're a restricted free agent, they have to receive a qualifying offer prior to the list being submitted on July 17th. All right, Mike. Well, thank you for reading that. And we appreciate, you know, that kind of knowledge because I think it helps contextualize uh, where we're going to go with this discussion. Um, I, I think we're both of the belief that the Carolina Hurricanes will use the 731 format. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think we're also in agreement that at least six of the forwards are, are pretty locked in. And would you like to name those guys off? Yeah. So starting with Jordan Stahl, he has a no move clause. You would protect him anyways. No way he's waving his no move clause. So he's number one, Sebastian Ajo franchise corner piece. He's not going anywhere. He's protected. You have Tara Vinen, who's definitely going to be protected. You'd have Niederreiter on that list. Most likely Trocheck and Svechnikov as your main six forwards that you would protect with room to protect one more. And on the defensive end, what are we looking at? Who are the three guys? So 100% Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci. I think 75% chance it's Brady Shea, 25% chance it's Jake Bean. I don't see the Canes protecting Dougie. I see that deal going like that going into free agency. I don't see Seattle signing him because I don't think it's what Dougie wants. I think Dougie wants to talk to everyone. I know he was given the opportunity to, but we haven't seen any movement on that. So I I don't think it's a decision he's going to come to quickly. I don't see the Canes using their third spot on Dougie Hamilton. And I think that's 100% correct. And you know, as the pro Dougie guy here, no go- no news for me is good news. Uh, I'm just going to assume the sides are in contact. You know, we're not hearing about any sign-in trade, so he's not making, uh, you know, headway there. I think at the end of the day, uh, these the list is going to be submitted. He's obviously not going to be on it. I'm sure he will talk with Seattle. Um, but I think ultimately, the longer this goes until right up until free agency begins, 
Um, I, I think both sides want it to work. It's just, are the terms going to make sense? We promise that's all we're going to talk about Dougie wise tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we spend so much time talking about him. Um, so you mentioned the six forwards, which leaves one open spot. Correct. Who are we down to based on, you know, what I've researched and, but I mean, researched it's, you were revealing to me based on your research before we started recording. Um, looks like it's either Steven Lorenz or Jesper Faust have to be exposed. Yeah. So as things are right now, if we go back to the rule that we talked about really quickly, the key is, is that you have to expose two forwards under contract for the next season that have played 40 games this year or 70 in the last two. And once you talk about the six guys that we just protected, the remainder of your list is comprised of mostly guys that are not under contract for next year, including Fogel, McGinn, Martinook, Paquette, Geeky, Smallman, McCormick, and Rempel. The only two guys outside of that list of six that we mentioned that are under contract for next season are Steven Lorenz and Jesper Faust. Okay, so you may be sitting at home thinking... Why haven't they said Martin Natchez's name? And the truth is, he's exempt because he's only on his second year in the league, and that was a brilliant move by them not to play him his whole ELC that first year he could have been in the league. So I think we're reaping the rewards of that forward-thinking move now. Um, So basically, they're going to have to sign someone, right? If you want to protect Jesper Faust, or Steven Lorenz, they're going to have to sign either a Warren Fogel, a Brock McGinn, or a Jordan Martinuk, somebody like that, that they could then turn around and expose. And the likelihood of signing Jordan Martinuk seems low at this point based on everything we've heard. The likelihood of Warren Fogel being a hurricane seems unlikely. The only way I see Warren Fogel being an option there is if Carolina and Seattle come to agreement that you sign him to a five-year deal at this, you expose him, we take him. I think that's probably really unlikely as well. But considering his RFA status, I wouldn't totally take it out of the equation. I think ultimately you'd have to sign Brock McGinn and then expose Brock McGinn if you wanted to protect either Jesper Faust or Steven Lorenz. Right. And I'm of the opinion that that probably does not happen. I I think you probably are as well. Um, So what ultimately probably will occur is they'll reach that RFA deal with a geeky and protect him because they have like they just need to fill that slot. He's the most likely guy to sign lowest budget number. So that gives you your seven Faust and Lorenz are exposed. I'm of the mind that although I would want to find a way to, to protect Jesper Faust, I know you're in the Lorenz camp. I don't think it's really going to matter uh, unless there is kind of that pseudo sign-in trade that you referred to with the Warren Fogel situation, uh, which is also pretty unlikely. I just believe it really does not matter what they do with the forwards. Brady Shea or Jake Bean is going to be on the Seattle Kraken next year unless they make a side deal. Yeah, unless they make a side deal or unless unless they're really high on someone like Steven Lorenz or if 
Jesper Foss meets their role will really depend on who they draft from other teams and how they're trying to build their roster. We'll you have know, to see Car- what other teams' lists look like. Sure. And Carolina is going to be on the microscope. I mean, there's not a team in the league yeah. that Ron Francis knows the roster better than this one, which is suboptimal to say the least. Uh, and that's why I just kind of think Jake Bean, if he is exposed, is so logical. You know, he was drafted Absolutely. by Ron Francis in the first. It, it kind of seems like a full circle move. I think we really like Jake's upside. I think he's probably a little further away than we want to admit, and he might not fit the win now window. And so if that's the cost, I don't love it, but I can live with it because I'm all about, as I've said, every single episode, let's maximize the window. The time to win is now. Let's do that. And all that hurts to lose a big prospect like Jake Bean. We're here to win it now. And they can always draft to make up for deficits later. Yeah, I hear you loud and clear on that. I honestly would not be shocked if a guy like Ron Francis is interested in Warren Fogle though a guy that has already proven he's a a top nine forward in the NHL without without pause a guy that certainly has potential to get to second line relevance and could be a plug and play guy on a first line on a lot of NHL teams it really I think boils down to how they build their roster out who is available to them and what like what they rather have i mean i i don't think it's i think if brady shea is available between fogel and shea i think they maybe take brady shea i think he helps them get to the cap floor i think he is a reliable top four defenseman automatically to help you compete yeah and we know that ownership group has made it very vocal that you know they want to have sustainable success in seattle but they're also here to win and they, they don't want it to necessarily be the slow build. They, they saw the, the Vegas blueprint, and I think they believe they can probably do something very similar. I think Vegas kind of caught lightning in a bottle and thus, you know, had winning expectations shouldered on it early on. And now they're just about the most aggressive team in the league. You know, now they're in on Eichel as well as rumored. Yeah. Um, there, there's no bounds to what Vegas will do to go for a championships, which you got to respect. Um, the fallout from that is, is going to be, be drastic. Sure. But again, it it's maximizing windows. I think there is a way, you know, that you can have sustainable success and maximize the window. Vegas doesn't seem concerned about doing Absolutely that not. right They're now. Living, I mean, it's um, the I Vegas think, mentality. I think that's Seattle's mindset is that we want to build something, but we also want to be ready to go now. So Shea would obviously be appealing. I, I think Fogel would be appealing if he was eligible to be selected. Um, but macro, do you feel, cause the rumor was coming out of the Vegas situation when, you know, they had the expansion draft and, you know, that next spring they were playing for the Stanley cup macro NHL perspective was that we aren't going to make all these side deals. We're just going to expose our players and let Vegas or let Seattle take one and, you know, take our medicine and just deal with it. That was the rumor, right? Prior to you know, Seattle coming in, if that ever happens, we're just going to wear it. It certainly seems like people are falling back in the habit of we got to protect certain guys. Side deals are going to happen. And I'm really worried from like a Kane's perspective that you might see another powerhouse in the West. You know, not that it affects us until, you know, very much the end of the postseason. 
But I think you could see Seattle figure this out and take advantage of teams again because I don't think people have learned their lesson. No, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm really intrigued by this expansion draft. I enjoy it a lot. I like I like the idea of it from a holistic view from and like from looking at it from outside. It's I don't almost like, like playing a video it, game in yeah, a way, yeah, right? Like, I, I don't like looking at it as a Canes fan. I enjoy the idea of it and how many options there are and the different ways. Like they've, you've got to love it as an NHL GM to be running in a, an expansion draft franchise. Like that's got to be exhilarating. You get to pick from a very nice litter. Yeah, I mean, it's almost viewed as like you're getting the outcast, but. Not, These guys you know, can play. I mean, some the teams, ma- yes, sure, but like your Detroit's and etc. But like, for the vast majority of your teams are, are in Carolina's position where you have too many good players, so you're going to be getting guys. I mean, yeah, to strike the balance between veterans and young guys, it's you know I don't know how many of you out there play like dynasty fantasy football, but it's it's kind of like that. It's it's the opportunity, and that's the closest thing we can relate to it. But for Ron Francis to have the opportunity to mold this team and his image and how he views it, got to be a really exciting opportunity. Yeah. And, um, you know, we may be sitting on the edge of our seats on, on the 21st, but we're not in as bad of a situation as I thought we could have been. Do you agree with that? No, I don't think I don't think we're in Tampa's position. I like sit here and look at Tampa and I'm like, Seattle is going to get a dude from Tampa. So... I think they're going to get a really good player from the Hurricanes. I don't think we're in the worst shape of all teams, but it's hey, tough. Nobody hey, like you don't like a, a, to a see wound it. will be inflicted. One Absolutely. of your, you know, not going to say one of your core players, but a contributor will be gone, and that's never a good thing for a team that's competing for the Cup. You know, one difference that you know Seattle has compared to Vegas is Seattle actually moved up in the draft. Seattle's picking second. Yeah. And it's maybe not the best draft class, but that's a big difference because Vegas was pitting, picking six, and they obviously added multiple first-rounders in that process, and they, they've used those players they selected with those picks, Nick Suzuki, you know, to deal yeah. and build the roster. And, you know, maybe that trade didn't work out. They probably should have traded Cody Glass, but yeah. that's a that's a different story. It's just about having assets. And, you know, for Ron Francis, a, a guy that we you know, owe a lot of the recent success of this team to, um, I, I think it. I feel good for him because I'm not yeah. sure we felt great about his exit here and no. how that was handled. You know, probably the biggest franchise icon, if you count the Whalers times, second to only Rod in name value at least. Uh, and our time in Raleigh, the first guy to sign here as a big free agent to really commit to the team, you know, led them to their first cup appearance in 02. Uh, a guy that we ro- will root for from afar. Um, and, and a good dude. I oh, mean, absolutely. And just a good dude in general. So Great lettuce. I mean, elite hair. Yeah. Fantastic. So it'll be fun to watch. I'm not overly concerned. My expectations, Jake Bean. And I think the interesting thing for us will be our deals made before that is Warren Fogle traded. We, we saw Victor Arvidsson traded from Nashville to the Kings. I, I think we could start to see those things start to happen because we know when the entry draft hits on the 23rd, there's going to be a ton of action. Yeah. It also boils down to like 
what's the market on Fogel and what's the value of losing someone in the expansion draft. And if it works out to where it makes more sense and Seattle's in on Fogel and wants him, like it may make more sense to not trade him and leave him exposed because the like it comes down to the same mindset of what is buying out Patrick Marlowe's contract worth. Right? First round pick, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jarvis. Yeah, I mean, so it just depends. If the market is saying a second or a third round pick or something along those lines for him, and you're like, well, what would you give up to protect X, to protect Jake Bean, to protect... Brady Shea. So to protect it, Jesper Foss. It's unfortunate and ironic at the same time because we just talked about how good a dude Ron Francis is. I think those are the discussions that are probably likely going on with the other 31 teams. I don't think Ron Francis is doing Carolina any favors. Oh, no. His exit was unceremonious. Apparently, there was a rift between him and the owner, Tom Dundon. I don't think he's bailing Carolina out. They're going to go get their guy, and of course he's going to do something what's in the best interest of the Kraken, but whereas he might bail out other teams, we're not getting that luxury, in my opinion. I could be we'll totally see. wrong. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It depends on how how much of a grudge he holds, if he holds any. Um, we can't speak for him, obviously, in that regard, but I mean, obviously things didn't and the way you might want them to end, I think at the end of the day, it boiled down to a disagreement in philosophy. And Dundon just wanted a, a change in culture. That change in culture has worked. I love Ron Francis. I think Seattle is going to be very successful. The team they've put together there has looked really great from the outside. Um, we'll see. I don't know who their guys, you know? Yeah. I Hey, I, as much as it may not have felt like it at the time, I, I think retroactively, at least, it certainly feels like a win-win. I, I, I think Carolina has not regretted that for a moment. Obviously, resulted in Eastern Conference Finals uh, that very next year, and then obviously playoff appearances every year since. And then Ron Francis gets this great opportunity to build a franchise, which has got to be awesome. Um, any final notes? in regards to how you anticipate things. I know we didn't touch on goalies too much. I think our expectation is, you know, Ned will be back. Peter and Reimer likely gone. Reimer may be back on a low deal, but they already have the goalie requirement met, correct? So what they'll need to do, I believe to meet it is they're going to have to tender, uh, Jeremy Helvig, if I'm, if I understand correctly, because we don't have a single guy under contract for next year. And Helvig and Nedeljkovic both being RFAs, the requirement for the goalie was that if you are exposing an RFA, they have to receive a qualifying offer. So we're going to have to qualify most likely Helvig. That's my understanding of the rule. Right now, Reimer, Mrazic, and Bobo if that's even how he pronounces it, <laughs> don't qualify. Don't You're not qualify. expecting to see him in Raleigh. Yeah. You will not see him in Raleigh. Uh, yeah. So I, I just don't think it's worth really hashing out too much. They'll expose Helvig. He won't be selected. Yeah. And Ned's going to be the starting goaltender, you know, October of this upcoming year. Um, so, so not really worth really sinking our teeth in too much. So I, I think we, we feel pretty good about where the Canes are at uh, in all likelihood looking at, either Jake Bean or Brady Shea being the defenseman exposed, whichever one is, is likely in Seattle. 
I'm of the belief that we will not see a you know a side deal to where Carolina pays to to bail themselves out and keep everyone. Um, that like we said, it's going to hurt, but I don't think it's overly detrimental to the team. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. We'll see. Um, we'll see. I think, like you said, the likelihood of it being one of the two defensemen between Shea and Bean, I think there's a pretty significant chance. I wouldn't totally rule out Faust or someone like Fogel or even someone like Lorenz being taken. I don't think it's as likely. It will really show what Ron Francis thinks of those guys, and he should have a very educated opinion on all of them. Yeah, so from the outside, as we sit here, just like you, kind of you know, waiting the next nine days or so until the, the expansion list is submitted, just be attuned to any trades made, any deals signed, because that would alter this discussion because it would make guys more guys eligible or obviously trade away and you're getting additional assets. Um, overall, I'm okay with it. It's shade. You take the short term or you go being long term. Either way, I, I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer for Don Waddell, yeah. uh, King Turtlenet to make. Yeah, I would agree with that. And in the next week, if anything transpires, we'll obviously discuss it on the next podcast. So it'll be something that we elaborate on. So speaking of turtlenecks, I think next week we'll do our second turtleneck time. Um, discuss, you know, Maybe the results. Jingle. Maybe, Maybe a jingle. A jingle. I, we're hopeful. Um, our excellent producer, Steven, might be uh, whipping up us not only a jingle for that, but some intro music. Maybe even some ex- extra outro outro music i got you <laughs> they don't teach you that in your doctorate oh my program, god huh? <laughs> um so some outro music <laughs> exit music oh, um man. so hopefully we'll have that all that for you um but by that point we should have a good idea um of the protection list really start having some concrete ideas on maybe dougie hamilton what the rest of the off season is going to look like. And Mike will do a good job of filling you in. I think we're really going to talk uh, entry draft. Mike's got an expansive knowledge of the prospects and available players. I think you'll really enjoy that discussion. And Mike, as always, appreciate you being here with me. Please tell us, uh, please tell the fans where they can find us. You can follow us on Instagram at the rod, the podcast and on Twitter at the podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, follow, like, and rate the podcast on whatever platform you are listening on. We are on, but not limited to, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening, and don't hesitate to reach out on any platform.